serenity. We call out Travis's name. Hallelujah. Every blockage, every barrier. Ah, my God, my God, my God. Stir up your anointing in Jesus' name. God, continue to rest in this atmosphere. Hallelujah, Jesus. As you have prepared a word for us, cause us to receive it. Hallelujah, Lord. No excuses. Not even thinking about who it's for. But we stand right before the Lord and say, it's me, Lord. It's me, God. I'm standing in the need of prayer. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Speak to the man of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory, God. Glory, God. That your spirit maximize this entire atmosphere. Hallelujah, Lord. I speak unity in this ministry, in this local assembly, in Jesus' name. And I bind every devil, hallelujah, Lord, that thinks that he's clever. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, God. I strengthen our leadership in Jesus' name. Pour back into them as they sacrifice of themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, y'all, give him one more praise. Hallelujah, like he's right here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. It's time for testimonies. Who has one? Anybody? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is Felicia.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all caught that plug, huh? Yo, she just forgot the address, you know. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? Praise the Lord. We will call up the speaker for the hour. For the mic. Y'all give him a hand praise as he comes up. Praise God. Uh, tonight, I feel like, or I know, God was telling me this message is very uh, topical. A lot of times God speaks to me through my playlist, especially when I ask him to because I put it on shuffle. And uh, tonight's message is called Not Feeling the Love. And right after I got in the car and I just played my music, not even thinking about it, uh, Water Runs Dry by Boys to Men was playing, which I forgot was on my playlist. So I was like, okay, very evidently, God is feeling like the water is going to run dry with a couple saints, uh, whether they're at home or here. So I pray that I, the Lord speaks through me and I'm able to get across whatever message he has. Um, God initially brought this message to me a couple weeks ago. And I was having a discussion with one of my very close friends. I brought her to the watch night service on New Year's Eve, so some of you guys might have met her. Uh, we were having a conversation, and I was telling her about how a lot of the actions that I regret uh, from my teenage years were due to me feeling lonely, that there was a lot of loneliness that I was trying to solve. However, a lot of this loneliness would not be to a lack of company. A lot of times I would actually go out of my way to be alone, to try and calm myself down when I was in anxious situations. The real thing was that uh, I was feeling a lack of connection with a lot of people. And because of that, it felt like uh, I was uh, lonely despite the people around me, or lonely in a crowded room, so to speak. Um, this issue is something that I've dealt with for a while. And from time to time, I still feel the effects of it to this day. Uh, I started talking with God after that conversation, and he revealed to me many new revelations on the topic. But he also showed me that just how I was lacking connection and not feeling love for my loved one, he felt the same exact way about many of his people. Many times we proclaim our love for God and talk about how much he means to us and give testimony after testimony about how much he's done for us. However, when's the last time you've checked with God to make sure that he's feeling the love in your actions and that you're representing this love that you shout from the hilltops? Some of you may feel that this is satisfactory because that is the love that you wish from your loved ones. Or maybe that you feel like this is good enough for right now. I'm here to tell you that it's not. Otherwise, I would not be giving this message. Would you be satisfied with somebody proclaiming their love for you to the entire city just for them to not have any real connection with you? Many times when we make mistakes, we also end up telling God how much we love him when we're making an apology. And this isn't just for God. This is for people in our lives as well. How much would you like it if somebody who said that they loved you, always told others that they loved you, decided to constantly do wrong after wrong to you, but when they were apologizing, reminded you of how much that you loved them and how much they loved you. God told me, if this is how you treat people that you love, I don't want to be loved by you. As I said before, if somebody is constantly hurting you, that's not very representative of love. And even if you do love them, that's, they're not really going to feel it. Once I started studying for this, God brought up a memory of a conversation I had with the lovely bishop here. 
while ago. Um, I believe I had just come back from college my freshman year, just or a weekend. And I expressed to him that one of my major, major goals for my relationship with God was that everything that I do for God was just out of zeal and love for him. It wasn't for fear of consequence. It wasn't anticipating a reward. It wasn't because I had to. It, there was nothing else other than just because I love God. Now, his response was, you know, fear we have for God is healthy, you know, whatever. And if you know him as a parent, you're not surprised by that answer. <laughs> you know, and the fear we have for God is healthy. You know, we do need to fear God, you know, the all-powerful, almighty God. But also, that doesn't change the fact that God wants us to love him as well, and that our love should be our main driving action for what we do. Just how I love my father, I also fear him, but the actions that I take for him are made out of love. And this is, the, and this is evident in the way that I act around him. In Deuteronomy 6 and 5, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. This is a very uh, prominent scripture in uh, just Christian culture in general, regardless of your denomination at all, uh, is a very, you know, not very well understood, I should say, scripture, as many people just take this as, you know, love with zeal, or, you know, do everything that you feel is best for God. However, if we're loving God with everything that we have in all of our heart and soul, not just one of the two, and all of our might, then there's gonna, it's going to be very evident and God's definitely going to feel it. We have to strive to love him in the way that he feels best. We can't just cater to the love languages of those that we like or the ones that we feel are easiest because that is not truly love. There's a reason that he asks uh, ask us to do certain things. If my girlfriend asks me for flowers and I turn back around and give her some t-shirts, she's going to be upset because that's not what she asked for. She may need t-shirts. She may have liked t-shirts. She may wear t-shirts. However, that is not what she asked for. And in that moment, that's not going to proceed as an act of love, even if that's what I've given her or that's what I'm trying to show her. Even for God, I'm sure this is incredibly frustrating when God gives us very specific instructions. However, we decide to take it our own way because we feel this is best, and we may be trying to show our love for God. However, it is backfiring because we're not doing as we were asked. I'm sure most of you don't like this either. I don't have to tell you guys that when you tell somebody to do something, when they ask you how they can help and they don't do it, it's a complete hindrance. Uh, I used to have this friend group in high school, and I was very close with a lot of their family. However, there was this one cousin who was from out of state. He's an interesting fellow. He's not bad, but we just didn't really connect all that well. However, there was one time when I was staying over the house of this family for a week or two, and because of that, I had connected with him a lot more because he happened to be there at the time. And at one point, he had been coming to me for advice and just been talking and talking and talking. And I'm listening, ready to witness, you know, whatever it is that God has called for me. And at one point, 
he comes to me and says, Micah, I'm worried that when my cousins and my sister have kids, I'm going to be the weird uncle. And I was like, well, that's a loaded statement. However, just taking a step back and trying to, you know, give constructive criticism and supporting you, I do understand that you have trouble navigating social situations. Social cues are difficult, and I, you know, I get that that's just natural to you. You're not trying to be weird, but people do feel uncomfortable around you sometimes. So if that's something you want to fix, then ask people, what's something you can work on? What's something you can do better? How can you improve the situation you're in right now? And I thought that that was genuine and kind. I didn't say that he was weird at all. I just said, if you feel that way, I'm here to help you. You got all those cousins and they can all uplift you and that would be great. He did not take it that well. Um, I don't think he talked to me for six months because of how upset he was at that uh, piece of feedback. Now, obviously I'm operating off of memory and it's only from my perspective. Perhaps it was, you know, the most ruthless thing he's heard in his life. Uh, my last name is Moten, so I kind of have a skewed, you know, but like, still, I was trying to be kind, and that speaks to both not listening to advice given and not feeling love from somebody who's trying to present it. See, in doing things like this, like not loving how we're instructed, we're not really about what we say we are. Besides being dishonest, which God already doesn't like, it also makes us lukewarm. We're wishy-washy and choose how and when we're going to love God. When God showed me this connection and how frustrating it is, I immediately understood uh, the infamous verse about being lukewarm. With Revelations 3:15 through 16, we see, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would, that, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Here we see God talk about said lukewarm people, or how people in the natural call them fake or snakes, whatever you got for it, slang you got for it. Uh, and I completely agree. I mean, to be betrayed is a lot worse to be denied. If you feel like you really love somebody and you are under the impression that they love you as well, all for it to be nothing in the end and you to be backstabbed or to find out that they never really cared about you in the first place is uh, not great. And I would have much rather you have been up front and just told me, I'm not really rocking with you. Uh, there was a couple instances in high school of this, uh, both actually. I've had a couple people tell me that, nah, dude, I just don't like you. Please don't talk to me. And I was like, cool, thanks. I don't mean to talk, it's okay. but. Uh, I had a really close, or what I thought was a really close friendship with some people, and eventually it came to turn around where they were like, yeah, I'm just not really rocking with your religious stuff, I'm just, you're just too much, or too overbearing, for whatever reason, and I was very, very hurt by that, because I've come to care for you, and just to find out that my presence was a burden, obviously, that's not going to feel great. For an all-loving and all-powerful God who loves me more than I can comprehend, I can only imagine how much more that hurts. Now, the title of the message isn't, Don't Be Fake. So there's plenty of more aspects of love that God has shown me 
to illustrate uh, most of them, if not all of them, are aspects that I've had conversation with God about that I was lacking in a lot of natural relationships, uh, platonic ones. There's um, been a lot of conversation with God recently about love in my life. And I believe that it's all led to this, to knowing how much I want to love and be loved by other people. God is helping me love him. And in a lot, a lot of ways, God uses the relationships and the lack or abundance of love that I have with people in order to show me what I need to do with him. I was having a conversation with Pastor Derek in Myrtle Beach, and it's not very often. It's just us in the room, and I don't like that because he's a funny guy. I get a lot out of conversations with him, but I'm sure that if we hung out too much, nothing would ever get done because we'd be laughing too much. But one of the things that we talked about is uh, how God used to use the crushes that I had on girls in school in order to enforce spiritual growth. There was a specifically one time my senior year of high school where I had this whole plan set up in my head because I was like, oh God, this, this girl's really nice, said she's willing to come to youth group or church. You know, she's Catholic, so she's kind of adjacent, you know. I was like, I had, I had it planned out. And God said, well, before you do anything, there's a, there's a couple building blocks you need to set up. You need to start growing to the point where you're even capable of handling a relationship right now. So I said, okay, and got right to it. I think I fasted that day. I was ready. If there was a graph of my spiritual growth, it would have been like this. <laughs> I was serious. Then like two months later, God was like, oh, yeah, nah, bruh. She was not it. However, I like that growth you've been doing. How about we keep that up? You know, that's a good, that's a good, you know, benefit. So uh, that in itself was a lesson to me about, okay, well, God, you know, God using love in my life or the, the desire to be loved in a way that's causing me to grow and love him more. And another, another instance of love, I guess, in a way that could be considered too much or too much in the wrong way is uh me loving my little brothers now if you've been you know listen to all my messages there should be two things that you know uh i'm very scared of my dad and grandpa and that i love my brothers more than anything in this world uh now there's been some times when i've questioned their safety or just the situation that they were in. And I felt like the authority figures put over them were not doing what I felt they should have done. And this led to me almost acting out of character a couple times. And at one point I had to take a step back and say, God, I, I don't think I'm in a position to lead them right now. Because if I go, go to them and try to get them to come to church and talk about God, but then I start cussing somebody out because I feel like they've been wrong. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and they're not going to be led the right way. So I kept telling God, okay, I need you to take this from me. And eventually God said, okay, but I need you to lead them. So I need you to grow to the point where you can handle this because who else do they have? So that shocked me a lot and instantly put me in the growth mindset once again, because 
they mean so much to me that if I'm called to lead them, if that is my job, then I'm going to do it with all that I have, especially if it's going to bring them to Christ. That's all there is to it. In a lot of ways, we give God the short end of the stick. We don't love him like we love others in our lives or expect to be loved ourselves. This whole week and last week, like I said, God's been pointing out aspects of love that I know that I aspire for in these relationships. Um, I saw a TikTok pastor the other day, um, and normally I skip past them unless it's sent to me by somebody I know. But this time, God told me to scroll back and I listened. And he was talking a lot about loving people uh, in opposition to trauma. Uh, I'm sure one of you have at least seen it. It had like a million views or something. But uh, to make his long, long story short, he was essentially talking about uh, if you love somebody because that's what you lacked as a child or lacked in any sort of relationship, a lot of times you tend to be upset when that's not appreciated or upset when you feel, when that's not being returned or anything. That kind of love is the only love that you're focused on and the only love that you feel that you need and need to give. However, not everybody went through the things that you went through as a person. The world isn't all revolving around you and your mindset isn't the only mindset. So if we're stuck in that, let's say your parents ignored you as a child as a punishment, which is, you know, for like weeks at a time, that's a terrible thing to do. That's a terrible thing to go through. And you make take steps so that you can connect with people in your life all the time never ignore them you're always there for them and that's great but if you're not getting that back or you feel that that's not appreciated you might get upset and start ignoring them which takes us back to step one now I'm not saying to continue generational trauma but what I am saying is that love should come from a place of love it should not be bouncing off of any sort of pain or fear or anything like that. When we love, when we experience pain, that should be our lesson onto how to love and what not to do. However, that doesn't mean that it's the only thing to do. There's so many aspects of love, so many love languages, so many things that we can do for the people around us that if we get so focused on that one kind, then we're going to be depriving the people around us and ourselves. In lots of cases, I've tried to reach out and loved ones to loved ones, the same one as described. Mostly, Karan, my oldest younger brother. Uh, now, he is, uh, let's just say you would think he's dead if he only relied on his text messages. But that never caused me to be frustrated or angry or upset to the point where I decided that it was just better to ignore him because why am I pouring my energy into this? He just is speaking a different language than me at that point. If I really love him, I'm going to translate what I have into what makes him feel loved in order so that he can still be uplifted. Because if I'm loving somebody, the end goal is that they feel loved and that they're lifted up. Not just for my you know, personal satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, in Romans 12 and 9, we see, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Uh, here we see dissimulation, which is just to hide the act of your, or the act 
of hiding your true feelings. And cleave here means to bind to and hold on to. Uh, and that's just in reference to my past section, just about not about loving truly out of love and not hiding your pain from trauma or fear in the past and allowing that to masquerade as love. But that leads me to my next point about fear and how it does masquerade as love a lot more than people think. Um, in that same friend group that I was talking about previously, there was a couple people in there who were uh, very much led by fear in their lives. They were very superstitious, but it was never like, oh, I found a four-leaf clover. It was like, oh, if it's 3 a.m. and you look in the mirror, you're going to die tomorrow. So they, they didn't let me do a lot of things because it was bad luck. And I was never really rocking with it, so I kind of tried to separate myself from it, but I still witnessed it a lot. Um, but they were also what the world would describe as very kind people. They always did a lot of things that seemed like they were going out of their way to do something for our benefit, my benefit, I guess I should say. However, uh, the closer I tried to get with them, the more that I realized is that you're not really doing this because you love me. You're doing this because you're scared of bothering me or making me upset. So when I try to connect with you, you're putting up a wall because you don't really love me. You just don't want me to be mad at you. That's not love in the slightest. And that really bothered me because I'm putting all my love into you and it's hitting a brick wall. I think it's being reciprocated because you're trying to be kind. In 1 John 4 and 18, we see clearly that there is no fear in love. I could stop there. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, I didn't even know that that scripture existed when I knew those people. But I still knew that fear and love cannot coexist. A lot of times when I love somebody but feel like taking a step back, God always asks me, is this a, an action made out of fear? Because if so, you're doing them a disservice because you're not actually loving them. A lot of times when we're thinking about taking those steps or just removing ourselves from a situation, we need to ask ourselves, or ask God even, is this an action made out of fear? Because we need to be loving them. Another aspect uh, is that of wanting to be recognized by those you love as well. I kind of brushed over this earlier, but to get more, get deeper into it, the desire to be recognized and to recognize other with loving others that you love is not inherently bad or evil. Many times we want recognition from God as well for things that we do for him. I've seen people stare at their bank account waiting for those $2 ties to hit back with 2000 However, actions done truly out of love are done for the benefit of who you are loving. If you're sitting there and waiting for your appreciation, you're no better than the person who's just loving out of trauma. By breaking your back for this person, and it's great to be appreciated, but you're doing it so that they can feel loved and that you're trying to help them. Now on the flip side, you should appreciate those who you love. That's also a thing that God does and something that we should do as well. If you love somebody, you're going to be paying attention to them, you're going to be spending time with them, and you're going to notice things that they do. When you notice that 
they're exerting themselves for you or doing things out of their way to try and help you, even if it's not to satisfy their pride, it's still something, an action of love to recognize that and thank them for it. Uh, I Again, I just realized how much I'm talking about this old friend group. But back to that friend group, uh, the father used to have this mantra that was, you're never going to be thanked for things that you should have been doing anyway, which I never agreed with, but I was always like, well, I'm not an adult, so maybe when I grow up, that's just going to be how it is. I guess I'm only 21, but still, no, that's not how the world works. But uh, at the, on the flip side, he was always upset when his kids did not thank him for giving them gas money or food or clothes or, you know, whatever. And yes, I love my dad for giving me those things. He doesn't give me gas money, but he gives me clothes and food <laughs> and the house and a lot of other great things. But, you know, as my father, especially at that age, you brought a child into this world. What else is it other than your job to take care of it? That's not to say you can't be appreciated once again, but that just shows how inherently flawed that mantra is. It really was just a disguise for him not to show thanks for anybody else because he felt that he was very deserving of a lot of things. So when I catch myself not saying thank you to people, God shows me a picture of him in my head, I make sure to get right to appreciating everybody around me. In Hebrews 6 and 10, we see, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have shrewd toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Here, again, we see God just... We realize that God is not going to leave a good work undone, done toward him, done in, done in his name. Uh, now, it may not be immediate, like I said, that $2 tithe may not bounce back immediately. However, there, God will never let something that you do for him go unrecognized. He loves us way too much to do that. Now, to get especially vulnerable, there are some aspects that are very true to me and very much that I lacked in a lot of uh, my peer-to-peer -peer relationships. But... Uh, to describe these instances, I will use the love that is most comparable to me and God that I know of, which is me and my little brothers, as I have been their caretaker for a lot of my life. Now, uh, as I stated earlier and in previous messages, Quran, uh, ever since he hit like 14, has been way too cool for me and has never really uh, been ecstatic about showing affection or anything towards me. Um, there'd be times where I'd be driving home from Lincoln on the weekend just to see my brothers, and I go there, and he just, you know, nods his head and goes about his day. Um, and it never really frustrated me, but it did disappoint me to feel like the love that I had for him was not being reciprocated. However, there was one specific day when I came really late at night because I just wanted to come and say hi and bye to them. And I found that Quran was asleep. So he woke up from me walking into his room, and we were just talking for a little bit. I expected him to want to go to bed, but we were talking. And he looked at me, and he said, you know, I, I really do appreciate you coming home. It really does mean a lot to me. 
I hope you know that. Which almost had me sobbing on his bed. Because you never get that kind of vulnerability from him. And especially just out of nowhere, when I thought he'd be mad, had touched me to such a degree. And I like to think myself as a grateful person. But when you think about it, there's so much that so many people have done for you that you can always be giving more thanks. And that is especially true for God. The fact that I made it here, the fact that I made it through anywhere this week, I've slid through a couple intersections because there was ice on the road that I couldn't see. That's a lot of people's last moments. But I am standing right here preaching to y'all, and that's only thanks to God. So just that alone for one day should be worth a year of praise because I owe the rest of my life to that moment. And we have moments like that every single day. Next. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, getting vulnerable with God. Uh, vulnerability is something that I'm not necessarily fond of, as opposed to what uh, my messages up here would lead you to believe. Um, but, you know, there's a couple, a couple times when I feel like uh, being vulnerable has really taught me something, but not in a way that I thought it would. I mean, to be real about it, I have a lot of issues from the past about, you know, abandonment issues and, you know, imposter syndrome and a whole bunch of things that y'all really want to hear about right now. Uh, but there are people who I have told that to, a lot of people that I've connected to on a specific level that I felt comfortable releasing a bit of that information to. Um, however, for some reason, it seems to be that a lot of the times when I confide in these people about things like abandonment issues or anything of the like, those are the people who abandon me first. That kind of pain is a lot worse than just being abandoned by somebody random or somebody who I'm close with who didn't even know that because I felt comfortable enough with you to open up about that and then you commit my worst fear in front of me. And God had illustrated to me while writing this that if I had poured that vulnerability into God, who had literally stated that he will never leave nor forsake me, I'd be a lot happier today and a lot more comfortable with said vulnerability. And I wasn't going to do it. But if Samson... <laughs> just poured a little bit of that obsession with Delilah. I had to. I had to. A little bit of that obsession with Delilah into God. I'm sure he would not have had his eyes plucked out and been in between them pillars. Okay? That's it. That's not even in the notes. I just had to throw that in there. Um, and now back to Quran. There was uh, another time when his level of I guess hidden love for me had shocked me. There was a time when I was working on something for somebody's birthday. Uh, I'm a really big like arts and craft guy, so it was just I was working on something for fun. But it was for some reason this one was really difficult. I had been cutting myself. I was using hot glue and I burned myself with my fingers really bad. I had been staying up late at night trying to fix it because I had been working during during the day and. On the last day, 
my little brother Karan came over and he was like uh, just asking questions about the gift and all that and at one point I guess he had heard enough and was like uh, I need to meet this person and I was like why and he said I need them to know how much work you put in and everything you're doing for them and I need to see them receive the gift because if their reaction is not to my liking there's gonna be some problems and again that shocked me I said, oh okay you know I'll let you know how it goes you know whatever and for two weeks after that day he said did you give it to them yet when is their birthday what did they say did they send you a picture did they say thank you did they give you money back he was always always making sure that it was appreciated and always showing me that like not only does he respect the love that I give him but he's respecting the love that I give others to relate it to God we should be doing that exact same thing we don't tell testimonies just because we want to be nice happy about your new job or your new car that's a blessing we love you but we want to praise God for the love that he's showing everybody where I love you so I love that you're being blessed I love God so I love that he's blessing you and I know that you know that there's blessing for me in turn because God loved me as well uh, to switch from Quran we have the middle brother Ishmael um, for reasons that I will not get into specifics of uh, this sweet little boy thought that my life was in jeopardy it was not but he genuinely thought I was going to die and the instant his head made that connection he said okay well I'm going with you as my as like an eight-year-old kid he was ready to lay down his life for his older brother which shocked me a lot and I tried to illustrate to him that I no, I do not want you to die if I die I was taken to the point when I was a child and for some reason my dad came to me and said, Micah, if it was between me and a thousand people, who would you pick? I don't think he finished the sentence before I said him. And I remember he had this whole long lecture about, oh, I picked a thousand people, blah, 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 something, something, something. <laughs> and sent me to my room. And I'm in my room mad like, man, anybody picking them a thousand people? I don't even know them people, you know, whatever, like, I don't care about them. And, I mean, don't put me in that situation today. You're not going to like the response. That's just the amount of love I have for not just my dad, but everybody. I got in trouble in the English class for doing that once. Because we were having a whole conversation about philosophy and morals and whatever. And it was, again, brought up between just a generic people you know or a person you know and a lot of people you don't know. And the question came to me. And like I said, I said, hey, I'm sorry for them people. I'm going to pray for their families. I'm not sacrificing the bro like that. And at one point, somebody was like, okay, well, what if it was like 10 babies and it was your grandpa? Now, this was a hypothetical, but I told them, I tell the conductor to hit reverse before I tell him to hit my grandpa. Okay. <laughs> And then they all was like, oh, you're so, he lived his life, you know, something, something, you know, whatever. And I'm 20 toes down from my grandpa, okay? I'm not just 10, I'm all 20 toes, okay? So I had to, you know, I was fighting for my life in that room. 
However, you know, I ain't going to get too much into all that stuff, but there's been a lot of instances where I told people, you know, don't, don't play about my loved ones, okay? So I guess I don't even really need to elaborate on that, but just because I love y'all, in 1 John 15-13, uh, we see, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I was having a conversation with somebody uh, two weeks ago, and they told me that that verse made them think of me. And that's one of the greatest compliments I've ever received. Uh, and to this day, I can still remember compliments that I got in eighth grade when uh, uh, people would just be like, oh, Micah would throw himself down for you because that's just the kind of guy he is. And I aspire to continue to be that much of a loving person. Uh, if not only because I feel like that's what is the right thing to do, but to honor God and to love God. Uh, and the same vein of being vulnerable, uh, God also wants you to come to him with, it, with your issues in general. Uh, there was a period of time where my little brothers, uh, I'll just say two of them, were struggling with biology. And as somebody who wanted to be a marine biologist, and is studying science in college, I was very perplexed. But I said, well, I didn't get a text once. I could, I probably wrote the text. And, you know, they were like, oh, whatever, you know, I'll get you next time, I'll get you next time. But I kept seeing, you know, my mom text, text your brothers, they got a, this on their test, text your brother, he's missing this many assignments. And I'm, not to say upset, but I'm, why are you, why are you struggling unnecessarily? when I have the answers for you right now, and I can help you, but you're not allowing me. And in that moment, God said, okay, well, I can say the same thing to you, brother. And you get so caught up in your own issues that you forget you have the literal answer right there. God literally wrote the test. God, give me the cheat sheet. So uh, they, I should have been telling them, why don't you go to God? You know, God placed me in your life, but if you don't want to come to me, there's a lot better of an answer right in front of you. Um, next, when you love somebody, you trust them, and you believe what they say and entertain them despite what they what you initially see. See, I'm trying not to laugh. I get so caught up in these little blurbs in my notes, I forget the next one. This one, I guess, is an honorary mention of my brother cousin back in the corner over there, Elisha Moore. I remember when we were kids, they were, we were just talking about food and cooking because I used to watch the Food Network as a child because cartoons weren't on all day. So I was like, you know, I'm a little chunky kid, might as well learn how to cook. You know, sitting there drooling, looking at the screen, pick up a couple things. And Elisha was like, well, you know, I'm in a bag, but I can make Nandi's special eggs. So I'm like, oh, the special eggs. The kitchen's open, brother. This is your house. Go and show me. So I'm like, okay, you know, expecting some some poached eggs, you know, some some nice. I've been on the Food Network, you know, seeing these five-star restaurants. I'm ready to go. I see this man scramble some eggs. Be like, hold on. Slap some American cheese down. Said, ah, there you go. The specialty eggs. And... Because I love this man. Oh, 
gosh, that's crazy. You know what I mean? I <laughs> just trying to make sure that he don't feel embarrassed because I'm sure that was specialty to him. And I sure gobbled them eggs up. Uh, and God was asking me, you know, if you can entertain some specialty eggs, then why can't you entertain anything that I bring up? If I've told you something, if I've expressed something, and you feel like it's not initially lining up with what you believe, why do you still not entertain it? Why do you still not go through with it? That makes him feel unloved. And that's not what I want for him. It's not what I meant to do. But that's what I'm doing when I don't entertain him. Or I even say entertain. I know he's going to be correct. It's been proven in the past multiple times. So why can I not just walk with him when I know that what he's doing will uh, succeed? Disregarding how much somebody loves you is one of the worst ways to hurt somebody who does love you. Not only because you're putting down their emotions and disregarding them, but because all of your actions don't take into account how important you are to that person. To keep it short and simple, if I feel like Brother Derek, Pastor Derek, does not care about me, then I'm not going to reach out to him. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to. Because for what? He didn't care about me. But he could be sitting at his phone every day waiting for a text from me because he loves me. He could even be reaching out and saying, you know, how's your day, brother? How are you doing? When do you want to meet up? But if I'm disregarding that because I feel that he doesn't care about me, I'm hurting him not only because I'm denying him, but because I'm disregarding, like, every action that I take is just throwing it back in his face. When you take actions that you feel are small, but that you know are sin, you're doing the same thing to God. You're disregarding the love he has for you, how he died for you, the things he set up for you, the blessings that he gave you. Everything that he's been doing for you, you disregard because you feel like just sinning. Just because it's, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just one sin, but that's important to God. It doesn't have to be important to you. It's important to somebody who should be important to you. Uh, lastly, or lastly from my brotherly examples, uh, I've been working a lot with God about him telling me that I know what to do. Now I need to stop asking because I already know. Uh, there was a time when I was driving with my brother and John in the car, and we got to a traffic stop uh, where there was an accident, and it had caused the most crazy traffic jam I've ever seen in person, and I was very upset. And my brother was also very upset. And he kept saying, I want to do something about it. I want to do something. And I'm like, yeah, Ron, I do too. I'm not the police. What am I going to do about that? Because the police were there, but they just had done the bare minimum in blocking off one specific spot. And it caused three uh, traffic lanes to converge into one lane, one of them being a U-turn. And he kept just saying, I want to do something. I want to do something. And I was like, I really do too, Quran, but what are we going to do? And at one point, God was saying it and saying it to me, saying, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. So I said, okay, we'll find something to do. We drove to my house, went across the street to this bar, asked them to borrow traffic cones, got back in the car, drove back to the stop, went all the way through it, put traffic cones down, and started directing traffic like some junior deputies. Now. 
At first, I was like, okay, we cleared everything out. I'm going to talk to the police officer. I'm going to get him to come down here with his car. We can take the cones, go back to the bar, put them back. Boom. Easy. I go over to the police officer. I'm like, hey, man, you know, we have the lane pushed back further. You can put your police car there. We can take the cones back. And then everything will be fine and dandy. All the traffic will be smooth. People won't be cussing at us because we're in the street. You know? And he said, hmm, nah. People drive through traffic cones all the time. I'm going to stay back here. And I flabbergasted, went back to the traffic cones. I was like, okay, I guess we're literally on junior deputy duty. I'm going to sit here in direct traffic until this accident clears up. And that's what we did. We sat there for an hour and a half directing traffic, just sitting there. And it was fun for us because we were just like, we're helping. We're doing something good. All of us who wanted to do something, to act on it, to make the situation better, we did it. And the reward in itself was the action. Um, the police officer eventually came back and was like, oh, yeah, the accident's gone. Y'all can go home, you know, whatever. And we just laughed on the way home like, okay, I guess we're done. Uh, but that memory will always stick out in my mind because it was just such a like, I had known from the first time that my brother said, I want to do something, that there was something I could do. That even if it seemed improbable, seemed, you know, way out of left field, there was something that I could have done. Something I could have done. And I did it because I felt that it was too out of, you know, it was too radical. There was too much going on. I wasn't in the right position. And he kept pushing and kept pushing. And eventually, uh, God gave me the last push I needed to act on. Because I did know what to do. I knew exactly what to do. A lot of times, saints, we undermine our connection with God by constantly asking and asking and asking. When we're so connected with God that we know what we're supposed to be doing. But we're sitting here like trying to please God when he's not going to do anything because he knows what you're supposed to be doing. The teacher is silent during the text. But that doesn't mean that they didn't teach you previously. Okay. Lastly, uh, we have Romans 8 and 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Uh, I put this in here to lastly discuss that um, a lot of times we hurt the people that we love because um, when we go through difficult situations, we separate ourselves from that relationship or love or we let a nasty part of ourselves that we kept hidden uh, reveal itself. And in those moments, that's when you know how true your love is. I had a friendship with somebody that I never thought would end. I could not see my life without them. And because he broke up with his girlfriend, and he became the nastiest person ever. And God told me that that was always there, that he was always that person, but that because, uh, because he was going through this, it was showing now. And that lack of love he also had for me was showing as well. He couldn't put up any fronts. That lesson and that sting will always stick with me when I feel like I'm going through something and I get frustrated with God. I have to realize that you know, this too shall pass. God has my back. God will never let me go through pain for nothing. And I can't just, I can't get nasty or let uh, let something small get in the way between me or God. 
in that moment, I'm proving that the love that I have for God is not true. And that's definitely not what I want to be the case. So not only with God, but for the people around us, we need to be asking, am I doing enough? Am I loving you in the way that where you feel the love? Am I, am I translating my love language to yours? Am I doing enough? Uh, I asked this to my friends a couple times uh, recently, just trying to make sure that I'm being the best friend that I can be for them. And I do it with God, too, because I want to make sure I'm being the best son that I can be for him. I want to be the best witness, the best teacher, the best everything, because that's what God deserves. A perfect being deserves nothing less, especially for all that he's done for me. And that is my call to action, saints is that we need to make sure that not only that we as a family are feeling the love from each other, but that God is feeling the love from us. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight asking for forgiveness for any time that we've denied you, Jesus. Anytime we've disregarded the love you have for us, God, we ask that you fill us with your spirit, God, that you remind us to ask you for direction, God. Ask you for better ways to love you, God, to love others that we continue to act on your word, Jesus, and that we act when we know what we're supposed to be doing, God. We ask that you feed us spiritually, that you continue to let this feel nourish in our minds and our spirits, God, and that we always make sure you're feeling love. And in your mighty, precious name, God, we pray. Amen.